for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. As always, or not as always anymore, but um... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I'm your host today, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by Mr. Tyler North, who ran a podcast episode with uh, the boys on Friday. It was, but um, yeah, went well. How we doing, man? Yeah, absolutely. It went it went, went well. Obviously, a little bit different roles on Friday for uh, for everybody, but. Uh, yeah, did it with Jaden, and we finally got Mitch on an episode. He took some time away from his uh, busy life as a as a PT student, and um, yeah, it was it was great to to do it with the guys. Got to preview a jam packed week in what we thought was going to be a get right week, and that was the theme of the podcast. And boy, did it not turn out that way. And I know we're going to hop into power rankings here uh, later on, but man, it's it was once again another wild week with some wild upsets that everybody's just scratching their head thinking what in the hell just happened in the nfl yeah exactly for well every single week yeah go for it what we saying oh no i was just saying it happens all the time now in the league it it doesn't stop yeah that's what i'm saying as like i mean there's been more parity in the nfl this year than there was last year we thought there was a lot of parity last year and the parody just continues as far as the games go. Fantasy, we were talking about it last week, how it's been all out of whack so far this year. I don't know. It it felt like this week, fantasy got a little bit more back on track. Like, it seems like we've got a lot of the big-name guys have had most of their breakouts at this point. We can really, like... Like, I was looking at Austin Eckler, for example. Like, we know now that Austin Eckler is that first-round pick, that top-three pick that everybody decided to give investment to. Like, we're starting to figure out who the breakout guys are that are having consistent weeks. We're starting to figure out, like, really, we could put a stamp and a stamp of confirmation on everything as far as fantasy goes, uh, more so than we have been in these past few weeks. So I'm looking forward to diving into studs and dubs because of that. Yeah, and I think the wide receiver position is one of those positions that has remained pretty constant with where most of our rankings were at the beginning of the year. I mean, looking at the top 10 wide receivers, even after the bye, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams. Then you got some guys like Jalen Waddle, Marquise Brown, and Mike Williams uh, to fill out the, the top 10. But, you know, there's top five to six guys where the top five to six guys I think we all consensually had at the top, and they've lived up to the hype. Which goes to show you, you know, maybe getting a wide receiver uh, in your first or, or early second, late first round, maybe that's a better way to go than like a running back eight, nine instead. Yeah, no, for sure. That's something that I did a lot this year. I went, I mean, I talked about it a lot before the season, but guys that I was looking for, like Jamar Chase was a big one of mine towards the end of the first round that I was targeting. But I mean, if you did the draft today, you're looking at guys like, I mean, obviously Jay Jeff was in that conversation. Cooper Cup's probably not, but Stephon Diggs is definitely right there. Devontae Adams no, Cooper is a Cup's, first round wide receiver. Cooper Cup's second in wide receiver in points. Yeah. Even after even after a bye this past week. 
Yeah, it's just the Matt Stafford thing. We've been talking about it for, hey, he only throws to that one guy, though. So if he wants to, and he also just recently said that in an interview with uh, Jalen Ramsey that competing against Calvin Johnson, he probably says the Cooper Cup is the best receiver that he's ever played with. So that was interesting, you know. But on the other end, at the running back position, you know, before we hop into our studs and duds here, you've got Austin Eckler, okay, number one. But then you got Saquon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs. McCaffrey's at five, Fournette, Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, Derrick Henry, and Aaron Jones. There's a lot more of the guys that you drafted in that third and fourth round that are now in that top 10 as far as fantasy points. Obviously, you know, very, very sorry to not only fantasy owners of Brees Hall, but also Jets fans everywhere out there. What a blow, unfortunately, to Brees Hall and uh, AVT on the line as well. Um, So terrible week. But yeah, back to that point, you know, there's, there's guys in there that, you know, looking at guys like Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara, who were probably drafted ahead of some of these guys that have not lived up to that type of hype. So it's it's a lot riskier, in my opinion, with the running backs than the wide receivers. You're getting a safer floor. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's a trend that we probably will see going forward in drafts because, I mean, we were talking about it. You've always gone that running back in the first round. That's been my strategy. Running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back. had been my draft strategy, like – plain and simple for like all of fantasy football until this year, you know? So, yeah. I mean, think of, think about if you went to zero RB strategy and you got a guy like Kenneth Walker, mm. Damian Pierce. Brees I mean, Hall. these guys late in draft. Brees Hall as well. Unfortunately um, now, but. Even like a Jamal Williams, who's, who's been really good. Miles Sanders has been solid. Travis um, Etienne. So, you know, you ha- Travis Etienne now. Stevenson, although Etienne was going in like fourth and fifth rounds. I'm talking about those late, late, like eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that range. If you were able to scoop up a running back like a Kenneth Walker or something like that, then, man, you're sitting pretty right now because I'd imagine your wide receivers are pretty damn good uh, if you went wide receiver heavy. Yeah, no, that's the truth. All right, man, let's hop into our uh, studs and duds from week seven of NFL action. So, we hop into the studs to start us off, and there was one really notable performance this week, and I believe that he also made an a appearance on the list last week, and that was Joe Burrow, who scored 41 points this week. I think I think Joe Burrow's locking in top six quarterback going forward, man. I mean... Yeah, well, not only that, but the Bengals as a whole, you know, they're... You can start to believe in the Bengals again. Absolutely, as not only an AFC contender, but um, possibly to win this damn Super Bowl when it's all said and done. I would not be surprised if this team got back there. The way they're playing right now, the way this offense is clicking, I mean, you had Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd as the top two wide receivers in fantasy this past week, and I know we'll get into that in a little while, but I figured I'd throw that out there now. I mean, this offense absolutely exploded this week, and it started with the 60-yard, 65-yard bomb to Tyler Boyd in the first two minutes of the game. Real quick to note, the the players to record in NFL history, 450 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, an 80% completion rate, and a rushing touchdown in the same game are Joe Burrow, and that's it. That shows you how big of a performance this man had on Sunday. And, yeah, absolutely, to start him off, you, you can't go wrong with Joe Burrow on Sunday. I also believe that he's only quarterback in NFL history history with multiple performances of over 500 yards passing, I believe, which is like straightforward. But that's that's crazy to believe. But yeah, I think it was 
it was like since like 1980 or something like that. It's like him. He's the only one to do it twice. And then there's like, I think Peyton or Big Ben might be in there. Brady might have been in there once or Breeze, maybe Montana or something like that. But yeah, it's a very, very limited list that he put himself in. And not only that, but twice, twice he's on that list. Yeah. I mean, for the Bengals overall in fantasy, I mean, you mentioned Jamar might as well top into it right now. Jamar Chase scored 35 points. He's on our studs list this week. Tyler Boyd scored 32 points. He's on our studs list this week. I mean, overall, is there three rosterable wide receiver one slash twos on this Cincinnati Bengals team? Because Tyler Boyd is starting to put a decent stretch together of solid performances, man. No, absolutely. And um, T. Higgins still had five catches for 93 yards. Um, so don't let him, you know, go completely unnoticed there. I mean, that's 14.3 points in a standard PPR league, which is probably about what his projection was. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you absolutely can roster all three of these guys. And it just, you know, even, I mean, Hayden Hurst, I have him in, in one of my leagues. He got me nine points. I mean, nothing to write home about, but nothing terrible. If they're going to throw the ball like this, though, Joe Mixon's going to take a hit. Somebody's got to take a hit in this offense. If you're throwing the ball that much, it's 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 going to be Joe Mixon. If you're not, it's probably going to be Tyler Boyd that takes the hit. So, you're, what, what's going to be the strategy here? We can we can. That's what you're going to play with if you're a Joe Mixon or a Tyler Boyd owner. You almost have to guess what the Bengals' game plan is going to be going into the week. The last two weeks, it's been like Jaden said, they figured it out in the second half against the Saints. Let's just throw the damn ball and see what happens. Well, that carried over into this week, and how'd that work out? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think that's going to probably be the strategy moving forward, which, like I said, might take a hit to Joe Mixon. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, all three are rosterable, that's no question. But do you think all have an argument? I mean, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. T. Higgins is probably a wide receiver, too. Is Tyler Boyd a starting wide receiver, too, now on your fantasy team in a 10-team league? I would almost start to feel comfortable with that now. Well, first of all, it depends on what your other options are. Yeah. Um, wide receiver two, I'm probably still holding out. Let me ask you this. We'll play. Would you rather him or George Pickens? George Pickens. And that's, I would love to say. And that's the conversation. And and that's the conversation because I, I I know some people are listing Pickens in that low, lower wide receiver two realm, but I I have him as a three. I, I still think he's a wide receiver three. I know he's becoming a favorite target, especially in the red zone for Kenny Pickett, but Deontay Johnson's still there. Claypool's still there. He still likes Fryermuth. There's there's just as many weapons in Pittsburgh. Maybe not as good, but there's just as many weapons as there is in Cincinnati. I don't know who I would go there. I would still look at him as a wide receiver three. I would not put Tyler Boyd in that wide receiver two conversation, mostly because I put Higgins in that two conversation. I don't put Higgins in that one conversation yet, and obviously Chase is one. Um, Rossable, yeah, possibly wide receiver three, maybe in a 12-team league. I would probably look at him more as a flex option. But, yeah, if, if he's, you know, one of your only options in 12-man league or if you're, like, between him and or Rashad Bateman, maybe, I would probably lean Tyler Boyd at this point in time. Who knows what's going to happen um, with, with Bateman. Um, Brandon Cooks, I'd probably still take Brandon Cooks. Who knows? He mm, might get traded. See? That might open up some more opportunities. That's an interesting so, one. I don't know. Like, that's where it starts to get close. Like, I, I, I probably would take on a week-by-week basis, though. I'd probably take... Tyler Boyd over Brandon Cooks, but that's a matchup based thing. Adam Thielen is another guy mm. that, that is in that in that same category in that same Curtis grouping. Samuel. Yeah, I would throw him in that conversation as well. Even like a Jerry Judy or yeah. I mean, Cortland Sutton at this point, I don't even know. Um, he might be in that conversation too. Depending on what happens with DK, I'd still put Tyler Lockett ahead of him, but mm. it's close. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I like Tyler Boyd moving forward. I don't like him as much as a wide receiver, too, though. Yeah. Final thing I'll say on uh, Tyler Boyd, when you're making a lineup decision uh, based on whether or not you're going to put Tyler Boyd at that wide receiver two spot on your fantasy team, like the argument for Tyler Boyd being in that wide receiver two spot is that he was a really good football player like just two years ago. I mean, he was one of the top performing wide receivers in fantasy the best slot receiver that year in the National Football League. Like, he's done it before. We've seen it, and now it's starting to pop out again, and it's not like he's an old man hobbling around. So, yeah, yep. I like it. I like it from Tyler Boyd. But let's move on. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Real, real, that was the only last thing I was going to say. Is he's like 28 years old, so he's kind yeah. of the forgotten man in this because he was there at the start of this rebuild in Cincinnati, and he's kind of just floated under the radar, and a lot of people have forgotten about him, but – you know, you'll have these weeks like you had this past week that makes you it, it reminds you of who Tyler Boyd is and what he can actually do. And he's not a bad wide receiver. And yeah, very viable fantasy option. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, roll on through through the rest of the studs. And the next guy on our list is a guy that we were talking a little bit about in chat on Sunday. And that is Josh Jacobs, who rolls in the Thunders for 37 points on Sunday, man. I think Josh Jacobs, when it's all said and done, I mean, you got Eckler, Saquon possibly finishes above. I mean, he's he's top three fantasy running back. Well, who was our who was our start of the week this week on our on our TikTok, and who was the guy that we that I highlighted as definitely a top twelve, maybe top ten running back moving forward this season? Was it Josh? Jacobs? And he was he, no, he was a stud this week too. Absolutely blew up. Oh, uh, second career start. Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, Kenneth Walker. I think I personally like Kenneth Walker more than I like Josh Jacobs. I think that the return of Darren Waller could hurt Josh Jacobs because you're not Foster Moreau is a run blocking tight end. Yes, he has a couple catches here and there, but he's predominantly in there for run blocking. Now, when you take that run blocking tight end and put him at a tight end two, and you bring in a more pass happy or a more catching receiving style tight end, Darren Waller, you're going to take some targets away from Josh Jacobs. I still think he's a touchdown machine. So I think you can depend on that. Top three running back the rest of the year. I don't know if I see it. Seattle is completely run dominant. I know DK is still there. I know um, that, uh, that, that Tyler Lock is still there. Marquise Goodwin came on the scene. I'm sure we'll, we might touch on him. Um, but I still think Pete Carroll is a run-heavy style coach, and he's, he's not going to break away from his bread and butter, which is why I like that a little bit more, because I look at the Raiders as a pass-happy team. I know Jacobs has been doing well, and some of it is game script, but you know, you've got Devontae Adams, you've got Hunter Renfro, you've got uh, Darren Waller. I just look at this team as a little bit more pass-happy. I still look at him as a top-10 running back. I don't know if I look at him as a top-3. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I could probably get with that. I will say that, I mean, you want to think that the Raiders are a pass-happy team, but they've been – I mean, they weren't winning football games earlier this year, and now they're starting to win football games with running the ball with Josh Jacobs. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mentality could keep Josh Jacobs in that top five category. But you mentioned it. Kenny Walker, man, he also ends up on our studs list with 29 points this week. I mean, we were mentioning it earlier. He's probably – when you think about guys getting opportunities this week, Ramondre, Kenneth Walker, like I would probably – I like Kenny Walker two times more than Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, I like I like Kenny Walker more than I probably like Nick Chubb. Oof. If somebody's offering me Nick Chubb for Kenny Walker right now, I'm – not gonna if i'm if i'm getting kenny walker i would take it 
I, 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 I'm telling you, I think this guy is going to blow. This guy ran 20 on that run. He ran 22 miles per hour, which is the, the fastest by any player this year handling the ball, whether that's running back or receiver. Let that sink in 22 miles per hour. And this is no, this isn't a guy that just randomly jumped on the scene. This was a highly touted college running back that has just carried that over into the NFL. I know he was out the first two games. I think it was hernia surgery. Nothing that's, you know, lingering or, or going to affect him week by week. I'm telling you, this guy is the real fucking deal. And if you don't have him, I would go out and get him. If for some reason he's not owned in your league, which I don't even know why that would be possible. I don't know what league you're playing in. But if he's not, absolutely go get him. But I would be trying to trade for this guy now. I know it's a buy high opportunity and you normally want to buy low. I don't give a fuck. I, I'm going after this guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you there. Like, I mean, we saw what a really effective running back in Seattle can do in the form of Marshawn Lynch beats mode, and Kenneth Walker's catching passes. Like, so imagine what Kenny Walker can do. Like, for the but you look at the history. You look at the history besides Lynch, Chris Carson, even Christine Michael did really well. Rashad Penny was doing well before he got hurt, and last year as well. Running backs thrive in Seattle. Yeah, Chris Carson. I mean, he was. As far as highly touted guys coming out of college, Marshawn Lynch is in that category. Kenny Walker's in that category. Chris Carson was like, I believe, like a fourth, fifth round. Under pick. the radar at yeah. OK State. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a little over shot. as first round pick. You know, and that's the question. What do you do with if you're Seattle? What do you do with Rashad Penny now? Mm, no clue. I mean, he's hurt. So obviously he's not valuable in trade as far as trade valuable this year. Maybe in the offseason you try and deal him, but you might just run the two headed monster with those two. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. He was drafted a while ago, so... Well, they signed him... Do they sign him to a one-year deal? He was a free agent this offseason. I think they did. I know it was a very... It was a smaller deal. Yeah, so... I mean, Kenny Walker is the running back in Seattle going forward. The RB1, for sure. So, uh, we mentioned Austin Eckler also ends up on this studs list with another 36 points. Um, this Chargers defense or this Chargers offense continues to look worse, which only means good things for Austin Eckler going forward, man. Like Justin Herbert, he's hurt. Thirty he's hurt. That's but thirty but thirty thirty one yards rushing does concern me, but ninety six yards receiving. I mean, that's just incredible when you think about it that no matter what type of game plan a team might have, oh, we're going to shut down the run today. Okay, Austin Eckler will still get his catches. Oh, we're going to shut down the pass today. Okay, I'll just get my running. And that's where I think he's matchup proof. And that's where I think he's RB1 right now. Because no matter what teams are game planning against him, no matter what the game flow is, no matter what it is, the Chargers want to get the ball to their best playmaker. And with Mike Williams possibly being out now, Keenan Allen handling, handling a, a, a hamstring injury that, you know, he didn't look all that great in his first game back to action in about four weeks. Like I said, Mike Williams going to, who are you going to give the ball to? I mean, Gerald Everett, Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter. It's Austin Eckler. That's that's pretty much it. And you know Herbert's going to be fine dumping it off. I mean, 12 catches? That's absolutely ridiculous for a running back. Yeah, and I think I saw a stat that Herbert only went uh, five plays over 15 yards downfield. Like, I mean, we've I, I was talking about it earlier. I really do think those ribs are going to fuck with him the rest of the season. I think that's what it is because you're trying to find an explanation as to why one of the best quarterbacks in football last year is just playing terribly this year. And it's... And, and, and oh, how the turns tables. <laughs> Do we bring up the conversation with Herbert and Burrow again? <laughs> that was... Because we've been a little silent on that the last couple of weeks because Mr. Joe Burrow has been doing his thing. But I think it might be something that we talk about um, later on in some power yeah, rankings. for sure. It'll be interesting to talk about. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to another stud on this, or uh, another stud on the stud list, and that is Aaron Jones, who goes for 29 points. Uh, helped him out to get a garbage time touchdown in the end zone, uh, but it was a hell of a catch. He basically mossed him, uh, something that no Packers wide receiver can do right now, and only Aaron Jones can has talent to do. Um, but he had pretty shitty weeks the two weeks prior to this, so I. I don't know how to feel about Aaron Jones. Like, I mean, coming into the year, I loved him to death. And it seems like the Packers are going to continue to be in losing football games. So as far as, like, that goes, that makes me feel good because A.J. Dillon's not going to get as much run because they won't be ahead in ball games and they won't just be trying to run the clock with an A.J. Dillon type. They'll be trying to get yards with a guy like Aaron Jones. So... That way I feel good, but this Packers offense just looks shit, though. So. 23 yards rushing for Aaron Jones. Just let that sink in. And A.J. Dillon, 15 yards rushing. That's it. No catches, four rushes, 15 yards. I mean, that guy's completely disappeared, which is why if you have Aaron Jones, you got to be like, damn, this offense is shit. But at least the backup isn't getting all the touches, you know? Aaron Jones is still being... Uh, factored into the passing game. I mean, I think he had nine catches in this game, 53 yards, two touchdowns, which obviously really bailed him out um, for a good fantasy day. But yeah, the competition has not been playing well. I, I wouldn't even, I would probably still roster A.J. Dillon if for only a handcuff, handcuff purpose, but man, I would not be starting A.J. Dillon right now. Um, but yeah, Aaron, Aaron Jones, he had those dud weeks previously. I don't think this is sustainable if they can't get, if he can't get the running game going, you can't depend on two receiving touchdowns every single week from your running back. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that was one thing I mentioned uh, on our little IG live sesh uh, before the game. If we could stop the Packers' run game, then we can win. And that's what ended up happening. If I mean, if you can stop this Packers' run game, then you can basically stop every weapon on the pe- – if you want to call it a weapon on the Packers' offense. So – Aaron Jones, I mean, you can't depend on that, really. It's like, I want to feel good about it, but it's tough. It's tough right now. Aaron Jones, I feel like, is miles ahead of A.J. Dillon. People that thought that A.J. Dillon was going to take over this year are, can't, are sadly mistaken at this point. But that's about all you could take from that. So, All right, let's move on through the rest of the studs. Uh, Miko Hardman, 28 points this week, heavily evolved in the Chiefs' offense. He's got to be a hot waiver wire commodity this week. Yeah, I I wouldn't get too excited about Miko. I know it's happened back-to-back weeks where he's had touchdowns. Um, I just, you know, Juju still looks like he's the guy. Um, and I don't think that that's at all questionable, really and truly. Miko had four catches for 34 yards and a touchdown and then had a rushing touchdown as well, which is what he adds, you know, a little bit more of the rushing, uh, obviously more so than Juju, but sustainable, I don't know. I'm still looking at him as like a flex option. Like you're going to have the weeks like you had this week, but then you're also going to have the weeks where he puts up, you know, absolute duds as far as, you know, the last, the last three weeks he's had really good weeks, 28, 13, and 12. But you look at the games before that, one point, one point, seven point, ten point. You know, you're going to get those boom weeks. You're going to get those bust weeks. He is the definition of a boom or bust receiver. Um, if you're depending on him on a bye week, you know, I, I, I agree with it. You know, as a wide receiver three, maybe flex option. But other than that, you know, you're not putting this guy in your lineup. Every, you, you've got better options, I would hope, than starting him as like your wide receiver two or your wide receiver three. Um, Raver wire ad, 
probably. I think that's I think he's worthy of a roster spot, but I don't know about putting him into my starting lineup on a week in, week out basis. It used to be boomer bust, like totally 100% boomer bust with me, Cole. But what gives me optimism is that they didn't really make it a point to get him involved in the running game before. And now, I mean, with that speed that was so heralded coming out of college and how he's going to be just like a Tyreek Hill, yada, yada. Like, you didn't really see them trying to get all that talent involved. But they had two designed runs in which he scored two touchdowns off of. Obviously, that's not sustainable. But I like... They seem the message that that sends is that that they're trying to get Miko more involved in this offense, and he seems like his drops were a huge problem earlier in his career. He seems like he's got one of the more steady sets of hands on the team outside of Juju. So from what we've seen so far, so I like Miko a lot as a waiver wire ad this week. I I don't know. It, I heard something from the Chiefs uh Chiefs today that they like or a quote recalling a quote from Patrick Holmes before the season about how this Chiefs offense will be so frustrating. Sorry, fantasy managers, because it's going to be somebody different every week. And it, it kind of gives that vibes with me, Cole. But I feel better, a lot better about him now than I did before. See, I, I feel better about Juju. Um, I think that if you spent some draft capital on Juju in like the fifth, maybe sixth round, I think that he's a very... I think you know what his floor is going to be, you know, seven points, maybe eight points. But I think he's turned into Mahomes' number one target. And this is what we talked about at the beginning of the year. It was going to take time with him and Valdez scaling. He hasn't really gotten it going yet. I mean, he had some big catches this week. But we knew that it was going to take time for them to build up chemistry with Mahomes because this was a completely different offense. But it does show you when teams try and shut down Kelsey, I mean, I know he had 15 points or so which is still ridiculous, but not a Kelsey-like week. And when teams try and shut him down, it still gives the other guys opportunities, and they're thriving on those opportunities. So, yeah, it once again, comes down to game plan. Are, are teams going to shut down Kelsey, or are they going to try and shut down the receivers, um, which is you know where Miko plays into that factor. Like I said, I, I like Juju as the number one receiver in that offense moving forward, um, but I think Miko is a viable number two option, which, like I said, puts him on that three, maybe flex radar on a bye week. But... Like for instance, I would, I would take Tyler Boyd over Miko. Yeah, for me sure. Too. Me too. That's that's the conversation you're having. But Juju easily over a guy like Tyler Boyd. Like that's not. I'm not making yes. the argument that Juju is not as good as or as viable an option as Miko. I think Miko's a hotter waiver wire ad than you're leading on. Like I like him better than you do, but we're on the same page with Juju. Like that guy is the most trusted target of wide, uh, Patrick Mahomes right now. And I said this before the season with Aaron Rodgers. Like if you're now I'm saying it with Patrick Mahomes, if you're closing your eyes and taking a dart throw on the guy who's going to be the number one receiving option outside of Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes, you're doing that. And a lot of people took that shot with Juju and it's finally starting to, uh, shape out you know he's had two 20 plus weeks the past two weeks and i think he's probably lock it in wide receiver two in your lineup for the rest of the year yeah and a guy that has just completely disappeared is sky Moore. you know that was a guy that we thought might jump onto the scene as a rookie receiver but muffed a punt this past week his target share has completely dropped and completely gone away he's absolutely the wide receiver four in this offense and uh just it doesn't look too good it, I wouldn't have him. I mean, dynasty formats you might, but he's he's completely off the radar. Yeah, I would I would feel better about MVS going forward in the season than I would Sky Moore for sure. So yeah, 
Yep. All right, to round out the studs list, we have George Kittle coming in as the only tight end on the list at 22 points. Um, is George George Kittle back? Are we putting him back into that locket in tight end, top three tight end in the league? Yeah, you know, and I know when we get to our duds, we'll probably get into one of the other tight ends this week. But um, for the most part, you know, you can pretty much depend on Kelsey, Andrews, and George Kittle, I think, as your tight end three, just because there's there's too much parity with the rest of the guys. Like, David Njoku looks good, but I know he's out now, I think, this week, uh, out two to five weeks now with a sprained ankle. Um, so he obviously drops off the radar a little bit. Um, but then you're getting into guys like a Jawan Johnson randomly. Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth might be in that top five tight end conversation um, when it's all said and done. Dalton Schultz had a nice little back, back bounce back game. So maybe fantasy owners are looking for him to step up. You still got a guy like Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard. Um, so there's options out there, but I would, I would cement George Kittle in as that, as that tight end three Hawkinson there too, but he's had some boom and bust weeks. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with Kittle there at three. Yeah. I mean, it seems like Jimmy G's trying to figure it out right now, trying to figure out how to be that Jimmy G of the past. And I mean, a solid way to figure that out is to throw to a guy who you've had a lot of success with, and that is George Kittle, the safety blanket for a guy like Jimmy G. So going forward, yeah, I think George Kittle is back into that elite tight end category. Do you think he surpasses Andrews or Kelsey at any point this year, or are those guys just in a god tier? Yeah, um, I, I would say that no, George Kittle will not pass either of those guys. You have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Samuel, and you've got Christian McCaffrey. Too many targets to go around. Andrews, who else is he going to throw to? I mean, Bateman, Duvernay, okay. And then Kelsey's obviously Mahomes' number one target, and there's no shying away from that. So I think he's I think he's third, but in my opinion, he's a pretty distant third. I would still take those two any week over, over okay, Kittle. fair enough. All right, that does this for our studs segment of the week. So let's dive into the studs portion. And to start it out, we have Jared Goff coming in at two points. I don't think he's rosterable anymore. He was kind of a hot ad uh, in two quarterback leagues for a little bit, but I don't, I don't like it anymore. I don't think you can roster Jared Goff. No, I mean I'm on Rob Brown. I'm I'm a Ron Brown. I'm a Ross St. Brown got hurt in this game. Obviously Swift was out as well, which he normally is is a decent pass catching running back. I know Jamal Williams is there. Uh, Jamal Williams actually fumbled for the first time in his NFL career this past week, which is pretty ridiculous because he's been around for like at least six or seven years. Um, but yeah, I I would not. I would be looking for much better option than Jared Goff. I mean, if you want to go to the waiver wire and look for some guys. If Geno Smith is still available, I'd be looking at Geno Smith as a starting quarterback. Um, weirdly, it's so weird that I can sit here and say this, especially since we're going into week eight. But Daniel Jones might be a quarterback that you're going to stream as an option on a bye week um, because of what he's got to offer. So uh, I definitely think there's other options out there more so than um, than Jared Goff. Uh, Justin oh, Fields. God. Justin Fields had a great week against on Monday night against the Patriots. He looked great. His running ability, mm. whoo. Sky's the limit for that guy, and uh, I, I I don't like the Bears, but I do like Justin Fields, and I am rooting for him maybe on a different team. Um, but, yeah, there's much better streaming options. Yeah. Um, That's another stud that I didn't mention, Justin Fields, for sure. He was the stud of the week. I mean, compared to what he's been doing, I mean, he seems like he's actually here, maybe actually arrived. So uh, the other guys on the duds list at the quarterback position, uh, Lamar. It's up only 11 points this week. Uh, that's back-to-back -back appearances on the duds list for Lamar um, after having a really hot start to the season. Um, 
I mean, I don't like it because we have seen this before where Lamar just gets into these ruts, but he's 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 fucking Lamar Jackson. I, I wouldn't panic if I were Lamar Jackson. No, I mean, like, you're going to start him. Um, do you want to maybe try and trade? That's a possibility. Here's here's his week by week overall this season. 21, 42, 40. Obviously, like you said, brilliant start. Last four weeks, 15, 15, 17, 10. That's not what you're looking at from a top four, top five quarterback. You want to at least have 20 points in, in one of those weeks. Um, I agree. I don't think you're pressing the panic button. I think the contract's getting to him, man. I really do. I think I think it's a huge psychological impact on him right now that now when he's struggling and maybe not performing and when they're up in these games and you blow that lead once and then you do it again and then you do it again, it's like that contract's weighing on you because you know people are talking. The media is absolutely any little thing that you do, they're going to scrutinize. And, you know, you fumble like you did against the Giants or, you know, this past week they almost gave it up. I know it was Justice Hill's fault, but I, I just worry about the psychological impact that it's having on him right now because, you know, he's dealing with all these conversations. This is something that we have never seen before. I don't have ever seen in professional sports, especially with an athlete at the level that he's at. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I worry about that. But as far as fantasy is concerned, I mean, what other option are you going to get besides him? I, I don't know if – I mean, maybe if you could trade him for, like, a Joe Burrow possibly, but I think I'd still yeah. probably take Lamar over Burrow. But that's that's the conversation as far as guys in that same grouping that you might want to trade for, but I, I would probably still take Burrow. I mean, I mean, I would still take Lamar. Yeah, when I say hit the panic button, are you hitting the pan – like, are you trading him away? Personally, I'm not. Like, I'm giving it another week or so because I still think Lamar Jackson could win MVP when it's said and done. Like, it – This year, know. no. I don't. I think that I think with what Josh Allen's doing, what Patrick Mahomes is doing, what Jalen yeah, Hurts is Jalen doing, Hurts has outshined shit. Even Jackson, shit. Like, even even what Geno Smith yeah. is doing. I mean, I think that all these guys are just putting up much better seasons, and it's going to take them to have like three or four weeks that Lamar's had for them to completely, you know, put him for him to supplant them in the in the um, in the MVP race. I just don't see it. I can see one or two bad weeks from these guys, but not like four consecutive okay, weeks. Fair enough. A uh, guy that we've consistently seen on the dub list and will not even get close to a shot at MVP again is Tom Brady. 12 points this week. I'm dropping him. That's it. Yeah. I He's mean, this is a thing. And I don't think time, there's a debate time. unless it's two quarterback league. It's a, If it's a 10 team league, I'm dropping him. It's it. He's a name. Guys, it's just like it's a name, but fantasy football is about points, not names. You got to drop Tom Brady. Yeah, the other thing is like he's gone against some weak pass defenses in the past couple of weeks Kansas City, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and Carolina. And he's put up 25, 19, 13, 11. So he's consistently gone down week in and week out. Um, and that's not even his lowest point of the season because in week two, he had nine points against the Saints. So yeah, I I would look at him in that wide or wide receiver quarterback like eleven to fourteen or something. Probably. I don't think he gets higher than fifteen like, on a weekly I, basis. I mean, welcome to what he's done so far this year, man. Like he's getting his guys back. All right, let's let's do a little let's do a little friendly wager here. Tom Brady will be a top fifteen quarterback this week. <laughs> this week, that's such a fucking sneaky bet. No, rest of the season. 
You said you said week in week out. He's not a top fifteen. Okay. Matchup based. Matchup based. I'll go top twelve. Okay. Deal. Deal. All right. So here's what we're gonna do on engage eight sometime next week. If he is not a wide, if he is not a quarterback twelve or better, I will do twenty push-ups on engage eight. And if not, you will do twenty okay. push-ups. Fair on enough. Engage fair enough. I mean, twelve. All right, twelve is deal. close. I every go ahead. You you realize what you just did? You just bet against Tom Brady. I mean, is this just Tom Brady? That. Let that let that. Is this Tom in. Brady or a man posing as Tom Brady in a meat skeleton? Like I don't. This is not. This is not Tom Brady. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not nervous at all to bet against this fucking goober. Like, this guy stinks. Okay. He just put up three points against the Panthers. Ooh. No, thanks. I don't want you anywhere near my fantasy team. You're a QB2 in two quarterback leagues in a 10-team league. In an 18-team league, you're also two, but rosterable in a two-quarterback league. But only if you're in a two-quarterback league or a 12-team league am I rostering Tom Brady. All right. Another guy with a dud okay. of a week. Uh, Dak Prescott. 12 points and his return to the gridiron. I don't, I mean, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, man? I mean, I, I said, I, I kind of called this going in um, is that it's going to take a little bit of time, him and another quarterback who didn't have that great of a game. And that's Tua. I know he had like 15 points, but both of them, I mean, Tua came out firing, but then you saw it slowing down. The chemistry takes time to rebuild. You know, when you're missing that much time, I don't care if you're still throwing the ball in the practice field or still, you know, vibing with the team, going all the team, all that stuff. If you're not in game action, it's hard to build up this chemistry. And it's going to take maybe one or two more weeks before, you know, a CD Lamb owner or a Michael Gallup owner who put up, I know we might get into him, an absolute goose egg this week. Um, if you're one of those owners, be patient. It's going to come. If you If you have CD Lamb, I would not be... I would actually probably buy low on CD Lamb right now. I think this is the lowest point that you're going to get him at in the entire season. Um, so I, I don't take too much from this performance. First game back, he didn't really have to do much because the defense was so good in this game. Um, that game was for the taking, though. You know, like I said, Jamal Williams fumbled on the half-yard line. Dallas recovered that. They scored. Detroit's up 13-10 uh, midway through the third quarter. So that game completely changed after that play. But – I wouldn't take too much into this. I, I, I still think he's probably going to be a top 12 quarterback um, on a weekend, week out basis. Yeah, like, I mean, for example, like, I'm a, I'm a publicized hater of Dak Prescott so far this year. And I'm taking Dak Prescott over Tom Brady rest of the season. Like, it's not even close. Like, I'm wiping my hands. And saying, yeah, I knew you were going to bring this question yeah, I'm up. Like, Ain't I, no knew, I knew this is what this was going to get to. As soon as I said Dak Prescott's a top 12 quarterback weekend, week out, I was like, I know he's going to bounce back with the Tom Brady shit we just talked about. Why can't you um, argue as adamantly for a guy like Dak Prescott than you can Tom Brady, who I know Tom Brady's Tom Brady, but so which, are, which, which, which one am I going to take rest of the season? That's the big question. I'm probably going to take Dak. Um, but I don't think it's as far as a margin as you probably have it. Okay. I'm trying to think. Alright, name game with uh, Tom Brady real quick. Okay. Um, are you going to throw me Geno Smith? I'm still going to take Tom I'll Brady. I'm taking Geno Smith. It's not close. Uh, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. I'm taking okay. Russ. Uh, Brady. Russ. Brady. Just because, I mean, the running ability that's possible in Russ. And, yeah. Um, hmm. 
Kyler. I'd yeah, probably take Kyler. Kyler. Tua. Tua. Probably take yep. Tua. Rodgers. I'd probably take Brady. <clears throat> I'd probably take Brady, but I like it's the same air for those two. They just absolutely stink. So. Daniel Jones. I'm Brady. Okay. Um. Derek Carr. So quick to say that. Yeah, it's close. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I'm pretty quick to say that, too. Take, I'm taking Brady. <clears throat> Dude, that's like 10 quarterbacks that I probably put ahead of Tom Brady, so my bet is pretty pretty close. Okay. But, okay. All right. Well, we're going to yeah. see. We're gonna All see. Right. As far as Dak Prescott goes this week, he put up the 12, kind of a stinker, but you can't take much. In fantasy, you can't take much from this. Uh, the Cowboys, you can be slightly concerned because they were struggling to beat the Lions uh, in Dak Prescott's return, but... Yeah, and with CD, like, CD's not really quarterback-dependent, in my opinion. Like, he, Dak, he's better with Dak, but, I mean, no matter the level of quarterback play, like, no matter if Dak's playing good or bad, I feel like CD's going to be good. So, as we move on through the duds, we hop into the running backs, and we mentioned, we've already talked a lot about it, not really used to beat the dead horse. Uh, two points for A.J. Dillon. Um, yeah, I mean, he's droppable or... A backup handcuff. Depend eight man league, eight man league. He's droppable. Um, ten man league. It's a debate. Twelve man. I'd still. Keep. Yeah, I mean, he had that big week, week one, and that's it. Like he had, that's it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably dropping him in an eight and ten team league. Hold on to him in a twelve team league. I'm, I'm looking elsewhere. We'll put it, put it like yeah. that. Like, because if you're looking at somebody like super attractive on the waiver wire this week. Like in and looking at AJ Dillon, he's probably the most sore thumb on your team. It, you're probably feeling good about that. But as we move on, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would, I would probably look at you know a De- Deontay Foreman or Chuba Hubbard over AJ Dillon. Um, it's close, but I would probably take the upside that you might get out of those guys, especially if one were to be injured. I know Chuba's nursing a little bit of a tweaked ankle, but he, he should be ready to go this week. Um, but even a guy like a Jarek McKinnon, I'd probably Pacheco. take Jarek McKinnon right now. I was going to say Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco's another one I'd probably take over him. So, yeah, there's there's viable options on the waiver wire that you can pick up to at least roster ahead of AJ I Dillon. mean, Pacheco was listed as the starter this week and was getting a decent amount of carries. Nobody, nobody star. really stepped up. I know Edward Zolaire had the touchdown, but, like, nobody really stepped up for that Chiefs backfield. Yeah. That's fair. All right, as we roll through, Leonard Fournette scores five points, but not really anything to read into there, just a matter of game script and only putting up seven points in the game. Or three points, my bad. Three three points. (laughs) But this is the concern. Tampa Bay, and I might get into this a little bit later when we're previewing the, the Thursday night game between them and the Ravens. Tampa is last in the league in rushing, and... He had eight carries, Leonard Fournette, that is, for 19 yards. I mean, this is a major concern because if you can't run the ball, teams are just going to load up on the pass. And, you know, Brady's throwing the ball at a historic rate right now. I mean, 45 throws pretty much every single game, it seems like, uh, for him. And Fournette's going to get those receiving abilities, but I do worry how this lack of rushing ability is going to not only factor into the Bucs season, but also as a Fournette owner, if you have him, as your RB two, I would be looking elsewhere. I would be, you know, I would consider like even as a, an RB two. 
You're looking elsewhere? Some people have Fournette as their RB1. A lot of people have their Fournette as their RB1. It's so... What you're getting on the ground week in, week out is just, in my opinion, so scary. Like, the last three weeks, he's had 19, 63, 56, negative 3, 35, and 65. He had 127 week one, but outside of that, he hasn't even sniffed 100 But what is his fantasy production like? Yeah, he's getting some of the receiving work. And that's, and, and once again, it goes back to that, like, Aaron Jones conversation. Are you going to sit there and just depend on his receiving ability to get you points week in and week out? Yes, more so than an Aaron Jones, probably, because, I mean, Leonard Fournette's the guy in Tampa Bay. Like, I mean, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, as much as we've been shitting on A.J. Dillon, is probably going to be mostly a 50-50 split going forward. Like, that's not the case here. Would you trade Travis Etienne for Leonard Fournette? No. No, because... I mean, Travis Etienne's an RB2 right now. <laughs> Come on, man. They don't have James Robinson anymore. They're an RB1. Oh, they hey, Travis Etienne is an RB1, guys. He, RB1. He's easily an RB1. What about an Alvin, Alvin Kamara? Come on, man. No. Okay. These are the, like... How many RB1s? How many RB1s? Okay, do you those have? are okay. Those are lower tier RB1s. Okay, there's ten RB1s right now. Lenny's one. Najee's not one anymore. Kamara's up there. Dalvin's up there. So Dalvin, Kamara, Saquon, Austin Eckler, CMC, and then that's like that's where it starts to. Josh Jacobs. Okay, Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. Nick Chubb. Okay. Uh. Um. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon that belongs there. Um, there's definitely one one more that we're missing. That oh, Kenneth Walker. I would I would put Kenneth Walker in that category. Okay, but that's a question mark. Like, is yes. it? Yes. Yes, because I do not look at that as a question mark in my mind, like Damn. at all. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think that's it. Home run, slam dunk, RB one. The, right the Bucks just need to fucking um, win games. Derrick Henry. Okay. Derrick Henry. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, okay. That's that's the top ten. That's, yeah, 11, that's eleven right, right, there. right there. Okay. Four. Okay. All right. I can't. I cannot throw Leonard Fournette into an RB one conversation. Absolutely Before season, not. he was definitely RB one category for sure. But I definitely am with that argument. But like, he's a top tier RB two still. The, with the way he's been playing, like shit. And, I mean, in the running game, he's been playing like shit. And he is still a top-tier RB2. Top-tier. In my... You want to hear You want to hear how I view it? In my mind, I look at it as an Ezekiel Elliott comparison. <sighs> the Cowboys have a Tony Pollard, man. I'm not saying they don't. Look at Rash Rashad White had more points than Leonard Fournette this week. But on the ground game, like that Leonard Fournette is the ground game. Like he's not correct, but he but they can't run it on the but ground. But if they're losing, like uh, how long are the Bucks gonna lose? I mean, if the Bucks really, 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 really stink, like if we really yeah, all right, that's what we're basically saying here. Like, do the Bucks like are they legitimately just terrible? Because will they just be marching back from deficits, early deficits the rest of the year? Because if that's the case, <laughs> Leonard Fournette might not be an RB two. But like, I don't think that's going to be the claim. Tom Brady will be a top 12 quarterback. <laughs> He'll be like Matt Ryan throwing, like, 60 passes per game, not being too effective with it. 
but all right. Well, I think yeah. I think we've agreed right. to disagree. That's fair on the it was good. It was good to talk about it though. All right, uh, got another guy with a dud this week as we move on to the wide receivers category. Keenan Allen scores three points. I'm not too concerned. I mean, it was his first week back coming off the injury. Um, I feel like he was put in there as more of a decoy. Um, I don't think we can really judge Keenan Allen until he gets back fully and fully, fully. Because he was a game time. He was a questionable going up to game time. So once we see a full... Full yeah, week I mean, of practice, no injury he, he, designation. I'll make a decision on Keenan Allen. He was he was on a snap count this week, um, and Brandon Staley came out and said that, that that was pretty much why he didn't play in the second half was because of that. Um, I think he's going to be a, a full go um, against the Falcons this week. Which with Mike Williams out, yeah, I Keenan Allen's probably top fifteen, maybe top ten wide receiver this week. We just saw what Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd did to this Falcons team. Yeah, so that's the truth. And Mike Williams possibly out this week with an injury as well. So that only puts Keenan listed as yeah, doubtful. So that only puts up Keenan Allen stock this week. Uh, Corlett Sutton is a guy that we mentioned earlier. Five points for him. I know you're concerned, but he drew. He scored really well the previous week, and he had the Sauce Gardner matchup this week. He did not score really well against the Chargers. He had 3.4 points. Fucking hell. Wait. Against the Chargers, and he had 5.3. The week before that, what was it, 20, 20-ish? I mean, 12.4 against Indy. What the Indy. fuck? Bro, I swear. 16.2, 17.7, 19.7, and 11.2 uh, is this season. So he hasn't scored over 20 um, at any point in this season. Um, I think, you know, this game, yeah, he's gone 3 for 23, 2 for 14, 5 for 74, and 5 for 52. Um, I think that Sauce Gardner is fucking good. <laughs> I think that that's something that, that needs to be said is this guy is, we, we keep talking about Pat Sertain as the guy that's emerging on the scene as this top, top cornerback or top tier cornerback. We got to start throwing Sauce Gardner into that conversation too. I mean, he's having an outstanding rookie year and he absolutely shut down Cortland Sutton on the game winning play in the end zone. Um, he was able to deflect a pass away from Cortland Sutton and, in very good fashion. I mean, it was exactly how you teach your cornerbacks how to play the ball. Um, I'm still worried about anybody in this Denver offense. It's just, it's not good. It, it just isn't. They've scored over 20 points once this season. Um, once again, had no touchdowns in this game. Um, it's it's not a pretty sight. It's the, the last three games for the Broncos, they've gone 9-16-9. Nine. You want to do that math? That's one touchdown in the last three weeks, and that went to Mr. Greg Dolchich. So I'm extremely worried if I'm a Cortland Sutton owner, and I'm not – I would take George Pickens over him. Might even take Tyler Boyd. It's a possibility, but Cortland Sutton's on the lower tier, wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver three. Um, probably wide receiver three, honestly, mm. radar. I would still put him into that wide receiver two category just because the preseason expectations for this Denver team – and I mean, they're bound to get it together at some point. I think I don't know, but um, Corlin Sutton. If you want to play the devil's advocate, if you want to feel good about him, he's probably and it's not close the most viable fantasy option in Denver, and it's not close. Like I mean, he is the guy in Denver that you want to have, and you gotta you gotta feel kind of, and. A Denver team with the preseason expectations that they had, if you were to tell me that Cortland Sutton is the most viable fantasy option on that team, I'd be like, okay, great. Sounds good. Sign me up. Yeah, and that's and, and that's the one good thing if you are a Cortland Sutton owner is 
Jerry Judy's done nothing. I mean, you know, your biggest competition has not jumped on the scene and, and has been, you know, lighting it up by any means. So, yeah, that's the one thing that does give me hope. I just, I don't think Russell is good at all. Um, and obviously, if you're going to depend on Brett Rippey, and that's not a good thing that you want in fantasy. For sure. All right, to round out this list of duds, uh, Michael Pittman, nine points this week. He's got a new QB headed in and Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, I've heard it pronounced both ways all day today. I say yeah, Ellinger. I say Ellinger, too. It seems like it rolls off the tongue a little more. Uh, but Michael Pittman going forward, oh, probably a wide receiver, too. <laughs> Ouch. That hurts. I mean, I, I have always viewed him as a wide receiver, too. Maybe there was some wide receiver one upside, but I don't think he takes that much of a hit. I think that Ellinger... Ellinger might actually be a better fantasy option for Michael Pittman owners because I think what what's a new quarterback going to do? He's going to go he's, to his best target. He's, gonna he's not going to throw sixty times a game like Matt Ryan's been doing. No, he's not. But it, but even if he throws twenty, I could see half of those going to Michael Pittman. I would not be surprised because with a young quarterback, they're going to go to who their best target is. Yeah, and well, you know that's kind of I don't know about that because I was making the argument before on Engage Eight because we were talking about uh, Ellinger. And backup quarterbacks tend to throw to the guys that they've been throwing to in practice, like the guys that they've been getting reps with. Like that's the wide receiver twos really seem to take a bump when the back, like Noah Brown, for example, like he was not even on the fucking radar in Dallas. And then Cooper Rush comes in and now he's like, he was a wide receiver two there for a couple weeks. So I think that he's going to be spreading the ball more to guys that he's been seeing in practice, like an Alec Pierce, like a Paris Campbell, who have been having their breakouts as of late. So without throwing the ball 60 times in a game and having a more Jonathan Taylor-based team and a more play-action team under Sam Ellinger, I see a lot of demotion from Michael Pittman and a promotion from the other guys. As somebody that has nothing invested in Michael Pittman, I'll agree with that. That's that's totally fine. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Debo, he scores nine points this week. Uh, not much to talk about there. He's still Debo. Um, he's. You think he's going to take that much of a hit with CMC there? Oh, it's tough. It's it's really tough to read because I do think that some of those running back carries are absolutely going to disappear. He might only get like two carries a game, maybe three. I still think they're going to make it a point to get him the ball, though, because they know how explosive he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Factor and McCaffrey, and you had a feeling it might take a hit. Um, I just think this was a bad week in general. I think there's better weeks to come, especially for Debo owners. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not something that I would be too scared about. Wide receiver one conversation with Debo is another story, though. Like, I don't know if I look at him as that 100% wide receiver one. I look at him more in the wide receiver two category now with McCaffrey showing up. And Ayuk kind of jumping onto the scene. And Kittle getting factored in. Um, so there's a lot more targets to go around. I think there's definitely a debate to be had there whether or not Debo's slipping towards that wide receiver two category. But if Debo Samuel's a wide receiver two, you feel pretty fucking good about that. So... Uh, to round out the list, Mark Andrews, we mentioned earlier, zero points for this guy. Point four. I think he had he had four rushing oh, yards. Okay, my my correction. He took a he took a snap under center and rushed it up the gut for four yards, and that was yeah, it. So he took two snaps under center yesterday. Something we've never seen before. He, but, he did. Yep. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, he's still Mark Andrews. He's still top two tight end in the league. I. 
Do you think this is a kind of game that starts to put Kittle into that conversation over Andrews, though? No. And the reason being is because, once again, I'll touch on it. Who who else is Lamar Jackson going to throw to? He's the number one target, just like Kelsey's the number one target for Patrick Mahomes. Um, and, you know, Kittle's got much more competition there in San Fran than Mark Andrews has in Baltimore. That's for yeah. damn sure. Yeah. Uh, last guy on the duds list, and he's been making duds appearances since he came into the league, and that is Kyle Pitts, who scored four points after scoring his first touchdown on American soil last week. Um, I mean, you're still starting him as a tight end. He's still a top 10 tight end, but he's not. Is yeah, he? He is. With the, with the, what he put up last year and the, the dart throws that you're making at the rest of the tight ends, you're still starting him on a weekly basis. He's either getting double digits or three what, points. He's gone 3.9, 3.9. 3.9, 3.9, 13.7, 3.5, 0, 10.9, 3.9. I mean, where does that rank, though, as far as tight ends on the year? Yeah, and that's a, and, and that's a good point because, like we said, it's such a it's, – it's a position that it's just so hard to come by any points. But um, he, on the season, is wide receiver – I mean, tight end 21. Oof. That stinks. He's behind, he's behind the likes of Noah Fant, Irv Smith, Daniel Bellinger, Jawan Johnson, Tyler Conklin, Mike Kosicki, Will Disley, uh, Evan Ingram. Mike Kosicki, Evan Ingram, uh, Robert Tunyon. That's the conversation that I start to like, hey, maybe I should start one of these guys over him. But all the other guys before that, Kyle Pitts is an easy starter over those. And Joku, like, as a, for example, like I'm in a 10-team league and I had Kyle Pitts. I traded for him, hoping that he'd bounce back. Uh, it hasn't really. But I picked up Njoku off the waiver wire. And Njoku. Well, Njoku's out two to five weeks now, so you have to start yeah, Pitts. Yeah, I know, but you you can... Guys like an Njoku, you can play in that category, like Evan Ingram and... Uh, yeah, Aiden Hurst. Hurst. Like, I would start... That's Robert Tunyon. That's where I would start considering benching Kyle Pitts, but you're most likely... Those tight ends are most likely on other teams. So, out of guys that you're going to pick up, Correct. probably not starting them over Kyle Pitts. All right, man. Well, that does us for studs and duds for the week. And to bring us home, we're going to do some rest of season takeaways for you. Um, more general takeaways, rest of season takeaways, whatever floats your boats. Uh, but, Tyler, I'll, I'll hand it off to you, man, to start us off. Um, yeah, so my key takeaway is that I think Mike Vrabel is the best coach in the NFL. And I was talking a little bit with you guys this past week about how underrated I think Pete Carroll is, but nobody talks about Vrabel. This man is now, I think, like 9-0 and against the spread and straight up combined in his career coming off at least 10 days of rest. So a lot of times that might be a bye week, um, that might be a Thursday night game to a Sunday night game, whatever it might be, continues to thrive in situations like that. This is the same team that got absolutely blown the fuck out at Buffalo on Monday Night Football in week two. What have they done since then? They haven't lost. They've won three straight. Uh, they had a bye week in there as well. Um, so now, you know, as, as a four and two team leading the AFC South, they dominated this game against the Colts. The Colts were never really in this game at all. Um, they dominated the Colts in Indy as well. I know the Colts tried to make a little bit of a late comeback. Um, they were able to beat the Raiders as well. Um, they were pretty much dominating that game. So what they've done since 
uh, the, the loss to Buffalo is pretty remarkable because you look at this lineup and they lost Traylon Burks and you still have Robert Woods there, but there's really nobody to throw to. So all you're depending on is mostly Derrick Henry and maybe a tight end here and there and your defense. And if you look on paper, this defense is not great. It's just, it's not one of those top end defenses that you're looking at as, as the best defense in the league or even a top 10 defense in the league. Somehow, some way, week in, week out, this team continues to get it done. And that is a big kudos to their coach. Uh, and we've seen what this guy's done when Derrick Henry got hurt last year. What'd they do? They went on to still get the best record in the AFC. I know they lost in the first round to Cincinnati. What'd they do the year before? They went to the AFC championship game. Um, or, or two years ago, they went three years ago, my bad. They went to the AFC championship game. But nonetheless, what Mike Vrabel does with the little bit of talent, in my opinion, he's got, like, what's Ryan Tannehill? Is, he's, we haven't even talked about him as a fantasy viable quarterback, which makes you think he's probably not even a top 20 quarterback in the league right now. Um, but continues to get it done. There needs to be some kudos given to Mike Vrabel. I, at the beginning of the season, completely wrote this team off. I said this team was going to finish third in their division. Um, this is going to be a complete rebuild. They're going to have to do something with Tannehill, probably throw him with Willis in by week 14. No, this team's right in there. They're one game back of the best record in the AFC. I ne- I know it's it's the Bills right now, but Titans are right there. So I think there needs to be um, s- some humble pie eaten on my end um, for, for completely writing this team off. But this team's right back to where they were last year, the year before, the year before that. And it's all credit to Mike Vrabel, in my opinion. You love to see that. There's not a lot of that being done on the Blitz pod, eating some humble pie, going back on a take and uh, reevaluating. I respect it, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vrabel got to give him his kudos coach of the year last year. And I was listening to Darius Butler talk earlier in the week on uh, the Pat McAfee show. And, um, he said that he runs the organization a lot like Belichick runs new England. And that's like a military system. You come in and it's like, you're going to like going into your job in the military every day. Like it's, it's very disciplined and I mean, obviously, that seems to translate to success because guys, guys like Belichick and guys like Vrabel can take a roster like the Patriots and the Titans have right now and still win football games. So it's awesome to watch, man. All right. Well, I will dive into my uh, key takeaway, and it's kind of a two-sided one. Um, <clears throat> it's a Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott is more of a brady Bloodsoe situation than zappy and jones possibly by week 13 and i say this because for one i think mac jones look being looked at in the same light of drew Bloodsoe is hilarious i think it's insulting and i i have no clue why it's happening i want to shut that talk down and i mean it does look interesting now that uh zappy stepped in last night but it's so much different than the Brady blood search situation. And I want to show you just how similar the Cooper Rush Prescott situation might be to Brady blood. So, but blood. So let's dive into his career. Let's dive into his career a little bit, because we were talking last week about blood. career. We could, we didn't have exact stats on us, but in his two seasons before the injury in 2001, when Tom Brady so famously came in and stole the jobs and rode off into the sunset, 1999, he puts up almost 4,000 yards, finished 6th in the league. 19 touchdowns, 10th in the league. Throws 21 picks, which was 3rd most. But those are those are really good stats, for sure. In 2000, finishes almost, throws for 
almost 3,500 yards, finishes 13th. 17 touchdowns, which finishes 16th, and 13 INTs. And then he was injured in 2001. He was 29 years old when he was injured and benched. And he had been the starter in New England for seven years prior. So you had had a seven-year sample size to say, hey, you know, things probably aren't working out with this Drew Bledsoe guy. Like, you had seven years to really let it develop, really let it sit and make a decision. But Mac Jones, he played one year in his rookie year last year, man. And he puts up, honestly, similar stat line to what Bledsoe did before he got injured. Uh, almost 4,000 yards, which finished 13th. 22 tuds, almost, which is 14th. And 13 interceptions. Um, he made the Pro Bowl, which Drew Bledsoe didn't. Only eight rookie quarterbacks beside Mac have made the Pro Bowl since 2000. And if you take a look at that list, it's pretty. It's a pretty nice list. Vince Young, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, RG3, Jameis Winston, and funny enough, Dak Prescott. And he also led a talent baron Pats to the playoffs. I mentioned this earlier, 98 rookie quarterbacks have started 10-plus games in a season. Only 12 of them, besides Mac Jones, have helped their team to the playoffs. Guys on that list, Dak, Big Ben, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, RG3, Andrew Luck. Very nice company to be in. So, Mac Jones really did everything that you could possibly want out of a first-round rookie quarterback last year. I want to give it seven more years before we call it like a Drew Bloodsoe situation where we're shipping him out and moving on to the next guy. I'm I'm not that quick to write off Mac Jones for the rest of his career. He's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere, in my opinion. It's just, it's, it's the Patriots. That's the main thing. That's the whole comparison with us. That's why it's been brought to light uh, is because you're having the presumed starter take – Rightfully so, but so many comparisons are being drawn that it's being it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, I the the whole thing with Cooper Rush and, and Dak Prescott is, I, I still think I don't know how old Dak is, but I would imagine he's probably in that same age as twenty nine years uh, old, coming off an injury. Cooper Rush is twenty eight years old though, so you can't compare that completely because it's not like he's a rookie quarterback that just started in the league and is now going to take over for a Pro Bowl quarterback. Also, people forget, um, Drew Bledsoe took the Patriots to the Super Bowl. Just want to throw that out there, too. Uh, Dak Prescott has never taken the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Um, so those are a couple of my devil's advocate argument uh, against your your take there as far as what I see as to why there is the comparisons with Brady and Bledsoe, with Mac Jones and Billy Zappi, and why I can't completely say that the Cooper Rush Dak Prescott situation is very similar to that situation because the backup's just as experienced as a starter. Yeah, okay. I can see your argument there for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, I'm just I just wanted to shut it down because like I mean, Drew Bledsoe was a veteran where we they had taken them to the Super Bowl, but that Patriots team had high expectations every single year and he took them to the playoffs only three years out of the seven years. So, I mean, you expect more out of your quarterback. You saw seven years of it. You didn't like it. Give Mac Jones another seven years and then make a decision. But I don't really want to dive into Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott too much. Um, but if you look up the Cowboys' upcoming schedule, man, week eight they play the Bears, who just dropped 33 on pass defense. 
then they play the Packers, who are bound to be pissed. They play the Bills this weekend. If the Packers beat the Bills, they'll be looked at as a difficult team to run into in Week 10. Uh, week 11, they play at the Vikings, a Tier 1 team of ours. Week 12, they play the Giants, a potential uh, Tier 1 team of ours. And then they play the Colts. So if Dak doesn't perform well there, I mean, with McCarthy's situation, he's always had a short uh, short leash there. Rush has played better. He has a better PFF grade overall and passing grade than Dak Prescott in his game so far this year. They look like a better running team when Cooper Rush is in the game. And that's something we can never comfortably say about the Dallas Cowboys. But now Tony Pollard looks good. Zeke looks good. And Rush probably runs the play action better than Dak Prescott does at times. And there's less weapons in Dallas this year. Gallup had zero catches in his return. So I could see where it would make sense that you might decide to go with a rush over Prescott if you're feeling that urgency on Mike McCarthy's side. But I know I know the argument against it. But I think it's closer than a Zappy Jones situation. Ooh, I don't agree with that. I think the Zappy well, Jones situation is absolutely well. Zappy's going to start because now. of who your well, coach is going to start now. That's. Mm, I think Mac Jones think? is going to start. A friendly wager no, again? What do you want no, to do this time? Because I, I, I would feel pretty good about how back Joe started too. But yeah, I was just like, that was the big, I've been hearing that for the past like three weeks with Zappy Hour. Like we've been talking Baylen Zappy up a lot, but I just wanted to, I wanted to pipe it down a little bit. Like this is not the same thing. So, all right, man. Well, that just about does us for our key takeaways and studs and duds episode. Uh, we'll have this out on mm, Wednesday morning. And then we'll have our Power Rankings episode out on Thursday morning. And then we'll have our last episode out on Saturday, Friday and Saturday. So catch you guys later. Peace.